Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. I hope you guys are having a great time. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you so much for checking out the channel. All I ask is after watching and or listening to the video, if you find you enjoyed it or you learned something, do me a favor, smash that like button and consider subscribing. Now, without further ado, let's get started. So far in the Dan Markel case, there have been three trials. The first was a combined trial where hitman Zigfredo Garcia and his common-law wife Katie McBanawa were tried together. Garcia was found guilty and received a life sentence in prison, but the jury, when voting on Katie's guilt, ended up hung. Katie had a second trial, and in that one, was found guilty and also sentenced to life in prison. The third trial was that of Markel's former brother-in-law, Charlie Adelson, and he too was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Now, Charlie's sister, Wendy, has testified in all three trials and, according to the prosecutors, is an alleged co-conspirator in her former husband, Dan Markell's murder. In my opinion, there is value in going back to those early trials because you get to see how the prosecutors grilled Katie McBanawa during her second trial when she testified on her own behalf. I want to share some fascinating nuggets with you from that second trial. Nuggets that may shed light on parts of the whole dirty affair that you may not know about. Now, you have to keep in mind that Katie was lying through her teeth during pretty much all of her testimony and often replied with, I don't remember. When Katie was on trial for her role in Dan Markell's death, the prosecutor, Georgia Kappelman, asked her about the gifts Charlie had bestowed upon her. Kappelman first asked whether Charlie had purchased a trip for Katie and her, quote, husband, Sigfredo Garcia, to go to the Dominican Republic. Katie answered no. Of course, Katie was trying to convince the jurors that she hadn't received any money and or gifts from Charlie Adelson as payment for help planning a murder. During the second trial, Katie was still lying about her involvement, denying everything. She'd refused two offers for total immunity to rat on the parties who were involved, namely Charlie Adelson, but she refused. She said if she admitted to Charlie Adelson's involvement, she would have to throw her baby daddy, Zigfredo Garcia, under the bus. She couldn't do that to him. But I think she really believed that she was going to get off, that they weren't going to be able to tie her to the murder in any way. Big mistake. Big, big, big mistake. Back to Georgia Kappelman asking Katie about the trip to the Dominican Republic. Katie replied as well that the trip was for her and her two children to visit her mother-in-law, that would have been Siegfriedo's mother. Kappelman also asked Katie if Charlie let her borrow his Ferrari or paid for repairs to her Mazda SUV, if he'd paid any of her credit card bills, if he'd paid for a cruise for her and her mom, if he paid for her Tata's augmentation, teeth whitening, or insurance. I think it's interesting that Katie was basically giving herself a makeover, thanks to the money Charlie, and possibly his mother Donna too, 
we're handing over. It speaks to Katie's values. Of course, we know Garcia and his fellow hitman, Luis Rivera, also spent big bucks on themselves, both for cars and motorcycles. Nobody seems to have been putting money away for their kids' education. Katie denied that Charlie had paid for all these items. She also claimed not to remember that Charlie gave her $1,400 in cash six days after she texted him asking for money. Note that Katie received all these items after Dan Markell's death. Kappelman point-blank asked Katie, well, what makes you so special that Charlie wanted to give you all these things after your relationship with him? Why is he giving you all this stuff? Katie replied, I don't know. In answering like that, Katie was inadvertently now accepting, now admitting that Charlie Adelson had indeed provided her with all these pricey items. It's likely Katie's response did not escape the juror's notice. Katie, when asked why she was on the Adelson Dental Institute's payroll, said Charlie had done her a favor to help her get health insurance for her son, who needed special treatments for his disability. Katie once again insisted that this payroll stuff was not part of a payoff for Dan Markell's death. Kappelman also asked Katie whether on the day of the crime, July 18th of 2014, Wendy Adelson or Charlie Adelson had let her know via WhatsApp that Dan Markell had been injured. In case you don't know, WhatsApp is an instant messaging voiceover IP service. It offers end-to-end -end encryption, which helps keep messages secure. And according to WhatsApp, it cannot and does not produce the content of its users' messages in response to government requests. Haiti denied that a communication via WhatsApp took place, but Kappelman's goal in asking Katie that question was simply to plant the seed in the jurors' minds that following Zigfredo's phone call to Katie on the afternoon of July 18, 2014, after the crime, to give her the report that the deed was done, when Katie replied, I know that perhaps Katie had received a heads up from the one Adelson who was boots on the ground in Tallahassee, Wendy Adelson. And this WhatsApp scenario makes sense since we know that Wendy drove to Truscott Drive, where Dan was injured, after the crime occurred. She said she went there to take a shortcut to a liquor store, but that story has never made any sense because there were other liquor stores closer to Wendy's home and one in the same shopping center where she later went to have lunch with friends at a restaurant called Mosaic. Although there was no such record of a WhatsApp communication prior to Zigfredo's phone call, Kappelman wanted the jurors to speculate that the tip Katie received had indeed come through an encrypted WhatsApp message from Wendy. Kappelman and the investigators clearly believe that. So if Wendy Adelson did allegedly use WhatsApp to report to her brother and maybe her mother too about the crime, doesn't seem to be any record of it, but that one piece of evidence could have changed Wendy's future in an instant. Kappelman also asked Katie at trial, isn't it true that you've been offered some kind of big payoff if you refuse to cooperate against 
Charlie Adelson. Katie answered with her eyes widened and an expression of shock on her face. No. But again, we know Katie was lying throughout this testimony. Kappelman then asked Katie, do you remember telling anybody that you would be able to stay home after you got acquitted and have a tutor for your kids to be homeschooled? Katie once again replied, no, with a very confused look on her face. Kappelman then pounded Katie with another question. She said, did you ever show your tatas she didn't use the word tatas, but you know what I mean, to some people and tell them that you got them courtesy of the professor, end quote. The professor being, of course, Dan Markell. Katie replied, definitely never happened. But again, we know that Katie was lying throughout all her testimony. At her second trial, Katie also denied asking someone whether God would forgive her for what she'd done. I don't know about you, but when a prosecutor asks questions like that, I tend to believe the prosecutor has evidence that these things were done and or said. I'm thinking maybe Luis Rivera's squeeze. Jessica Rodriguez is the person who maybe told cops that. I think this illustrates what drove Katie to make this deal with the devil, the deal to help Charlie Adelson and possibly his mother Donna too, take care of their Dan Markell problem. Katie must have desperately wanted those tatas, the international trips, the tidy looking white teeth, and the tons of cash. I mean, who takes such a risk with their future by helping someone do in a human being that they've never even met? People with a lust for money? That's who. It also makes me wonder if one or more of the Adelsons offered Katie cash at some point to not take a plea deal, deal that would have meant she did not go to prison. It makes sense to me that Katie might agree to take money from the Adelsons in exchange for not taking the plea deal. The plea deal meant she'd not go to prison but it didn't come with any large sums of money or even a dime. Money and the things it can buy for Katie seems to be more important than a get-out-of-prison card. After all, it sounds like she really believed she would not be found guilty. By the way, by looking at her testimony on her own behalf in her second trial, it also appears that Katie tried to manipulate the jurors. She tried to elicit sympathy from them by mentioning that she caught COVID while she was incarcerated, by mentioning her son's disability, and also the death of her mother, which occurred when Katie was behind bars. And I'm sure that was truly agonizing. But the jurors didn't allow any of that to sway their opinion or their decision. After eight hours of deliberation, they announced their unanimous verdict, guilty. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Do you recall whether you paid for that with cash or credit card? I think I paid with a credit card. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. And how much cash did you typically have on hand? It depends. Like, whatever amount that I make in the club and, like, I start saving up, then I put it away. So I can have between two dollars $3,000 on me. When you say put it away, what do you mean? Like, put it in my bank. Okay. Like, I'll save it up in my house, and then I'll put it away when I get a chance to go to the bank. Okay. But all these things that you have paid for, like, 
let's just take the breast augmentation, for example. You yes, indicate ma'am. you paid for that. Yes, ma'am. But there, if you're putting your cash in the bank, there's no cash withdrawal to correspond to you paying cash for that breast but augmentation. But I wouldn't take, I'm not going to deposit money that I'm going to use already. I already saved up that money for okay, my Okay, so you would save the money separately, not deposit it. Well, I knew, yeah, because I already had my, uh, my consultation in the beginning of that year, of the beginning of 2014, so I was already saving up. Okay. Well, so that I'm when char- I get them. Go ahead. You were saving up for the breast augmentation. Yeah. But I you needed Charlie Adelson to put you on the payroll so that you could get insurance for your kids. I was saving because I've always wanted my breast augmentation. Okay. And the insurance for my kids is because my son had a disability, so I had to do a bunch of therapies for my son. Okay. And you heard that Wendy Adelson testified that she's never known her brother to give any gifts to any ex-girlfriends. Did you hear that? No, I don't recall that. Okay. Well, what makes you so special that Charlie Adelson wanted to give you all these things after the end of your relationship? All these things, like you make it seem like, like he's giving me all of this stuff. Yeah. Out of the blue. Uh, yeah. I do make it seem like that. Why is he giving you all this stuff? I don't know. Why did he put you on the payroll? Is that as a favor? Yes, ma'am. Not as payment for a murder? No, ma'am. Not to keep you happy? Why wouldn't he just pay me the cash? Why would I have to get a check from somewhere? I'm going to ask the questions, okay? Yes, ma'am. All right, so he put you on the payroll two months after the homicide, yes? Two months after the homicide, Mm -hmm. I will start in. Yes, ma'am. All right, and were you involved in a sexual relationship with Mr. Adelson at that time? I'm not not 100% sure, like at the time frame. I believe so. Okay, so you were still sleeping with him after the homicide? I believe so. And was there an actual job opening at the Adelson Institute that you filled with this position? No, ma'am. All right, so it's a position that he created for you. Yes, ma'am. All right, and you heard testimony from the employees that work there that they've never heard of anybody working remotely before in the history of that office. Why Why did Mr. Adelson create a position for you? Well, he a- I asked before? him for a favor if he can do that. Okay. What job description did you have when you worked for Mr. Adelson? I said I was just his like personal assistant. I wasn't going to the office okay. for that. Why did you on the wire talk about going to the office on the weekends? Because he did want me to go to the in the office to clean up a bit, but I never I never did it. Wasn't it a joke between you and Mr. Adelson about this job that you were performing for him? I guess. You didn't do anything on the laptop in reference to his work? On the laptop? Yes, ma'am. Like sign in into the, into the Dentrix? Yeah. I believe I've done it before. How yes. many times did you? The patients, um, like the scheduling. Okay. And did you schedule any patients? No, I didn't schedule anything. Are there any patients we could call that could verify that they've ever had any contact with you? 
Not that I can recall now. Employment that you yes, talked about. You testified that you were, in fact, employed at a nightclub around the time of the homicide. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. All right. And you said that you make up to $1,500 a night at the nightclub. At a good day. A, a right. good night. And what, at what nightclub was that? That was at Fate. All right. And Fate's the place that wrote you the checks that bounced? Yes, ma'am. And on those checks that bounced, the amount was... I can't remember exactly, but maybe $1,200 or $1,700 for a month, right? Yes, ma'am. And that was tips for a whole month? No, it's the reason why they gave us those checks and the reason why it bounced, because a lot of us girls were complaining about it's supposed to be the way that like the owner or the, the whatever accountant guy that did it, he wanted to do just a percentage. So if like they swipe their card, it's a percentage of that is supposed to be our tips. Anything that's cash that the that the patrons you know pay for is like goes straight to our pocket. Okay. So it's that so that it was, was for like card a credit tips. card, yeah, like a credit card percentage. All right. And so your credit card tips for the month were whatever that amount was. Yes, ma'am. On that check. All right. And that's what bounced. Yes, ma'am. Twice, right. I and believe. Did you quit Club Fate because of the bouncing checks? Yes, ma'am. And they were withholding some of our like money. All right. How many times? In your career as a bottle girl, did you make $1,500 in one night? How many times? Yeah. I can't recall. More than five? Yes. More than ten? I can't. I can't give you, like, a specific number. Would you agree with Ms. Mascara's testimony that an average night at the clubs was $100 to $200? That's not what... Would you agree with that? No, ma'am. Would you agree with Ms. Mascaro's testimony that a good night at the club was four hundred to five hundred dollars a night? A good night? Uh, that's mm -hmm. a good night to her. Okay. But no, she was working in Hollywood Live with me. Fate was a higher higher scale club. Okay. And I was also doing bartending as well. She wasn't bartending at those places. All right. And did the club that Ms. Mascaro worked at? The lower end club, did the checks bounce there as well? No, we never received checks in, in that club. And do you have any documentation to show that you were, you know, like schedules or something like that to show your schedule around the time of the homicide at these clubs? Objection, burden I mean, I should have had it in my texts. Like sometimes like they give us a schedule or they'll call us and tell us, okay, can you come in? this and this day, or we would be, for that weekend, we would already know more or less what days to come in. Okay. And who was your boss at that time? I can't even remember his name because he got fired. All right. Is he here? Is he in Tallahassee for this trial? No. What about any girls that you worked with? Anybody like that? I don't that remember here? their names, no. This and was regular years customers? Ago. No. Would you agree, Ms. McVanola, that you deposited $13,000 in cash in August of 2014? If that's what my bank records show. Okay, and that's the month after the murder, right? I believe so. Okay. You can't make that much at the club, can you? The $13,000? Yeah. Unless I've saved up and then I just deposited it that month. Okay, is that what happened? But that all my income wasn't specifically from there. It was, there's times that I've gotten money from Secreto. 
right. Well, is it a coincidence with Magdalena that when you notice the striking spike in your income that happens exactly at the time of this homicide? Well, you, I mean, it's there, isn't it? Well, in your diagram, yes. Yeah, but I mean, do you have a reason to dispute this diagram? It's just, based on your cash deposits, isn't it? I guess so. And so you would agree that there is a pretty striking amount of money that came in that you came into immediately after this homicide. From your diagram, I could see that, but I don't recall that. When did Sigredo Garcia find out that Charlie Adelson was involved in this conspiracy? When did he find out? Yeah. I believe when he got arrested. What about when you came home after meeting with Charlie Adelson at Dolce Vita? Did you tell Mr. Garcia that you'd met with Mr. Adelson? I don't, I see, I don't know about the time frame again. I don't know if when I came home, I said that I spoke to Charlie. Would you agree in the calls and texts that follow that meeting with Mr. Adelson, Mr. Garcia is really angry with you? Yes. Yes. Okay. And he said in that text that we look, listened to recently, or somebody read from the stand, whatever is going on with you and your homie is your business. You guys work that shit out. Don't text me. Who's your homie in that sense? I believe he was referring to Charlie. Right. And he was angry to find out that Charlie was involved, wasn't he? I believe so, yes. Charlie told you he wanted this problem flushed. You were asked about that call on direct. Yes, ma'am. And was the problem the gang member who was threatening to extort his mother? I, I know he was just joking about that on that phone call, but I think it's because I used the restroom and then he referred to it as the problem flushing and because he was really talking to Yindra on the phone first. Right, and I got the whole reference to the bathroom humor, but the problem that he's referring to that he wants flushed is this guy that's extorting his mother, right? I believe so. And flushed means he wants the problem resolved. I would assume. You're the one to do it. I guess. Is Mr. Garcia familiar with handguns? Is he familiar with handguns? Objection, Judge. The world. Yes, ma'am. I guess so. Have you seen the ATM images yes, that are in evidence in this case? Yes, ma'am. All right. Is that Mr. Rivera and Mr. Garcia? Yes, ma'am. Mr. Garcia dumped his phone right after this murder, didn't he? Shortly after. I guess so. I mean, you were blowing him up and couldn't get him because the phone was off, right? I believe so. Do you have WhatsApp, or I should ask, back in 2014, did you have WhatsApp on your phone? I think so. All right. And what is WhatsApp? Uh, it's just another, like, instant message. All right. Did you hear the testimony about Wendy Adelson having visited the crime scene? Yes, ma'am. And did Ms. Adelson communicate with you through WhatsApp or any other type of communication no, the ma'am. day of the murder? No, ma'am. Did Charlie Adelson let you know in any WhatsApp or any other kind of way that Mr. Markell had been shot on the day no, of the murder? Did you tell Yendra Mascara that Mr. Markell had been in a car accident? I said an accident. I'm not 100% sure if I said car accident. 
Do you have any reason to question her memory that you said car accident? No. Did you talk to Luis Rivera on the day of the money drop? Did I talk to him? He, I believe he called me. Okay. Yeah, he called my phone. And so is that a coincidence that the one time, and that's the one time you've ever spoken to Mr. Rivera on the phone, right? From all the records that we have in this case. Do you agree with that? I don't know if I've spoken to him at any other time, not that I can recall. Okay. And when did you find out that Dan Markell had been murdered? I found out when he got arrested, when Secreto got arrested. All right, so your lawyer asked you, um, would, would, can't remember exactly what she asked you, but the gist of it was, wouldn't you dump your phone if you'd been involved in criminal activity? Yes, ma'am. And isn't it true that you did, in fact, drop your phone, not the day that you found, that you're saying you found out Dan Markell was killed, but the day that law enforcement went up to see Mr. Garcia at Rapid Capital? Did I? No. I still had the same phone. Okay, but you weren't using it. It was turned off, right? No, I was still using my you phone. You didn't go to Walmart and purchase a burner phone? I Secredo purchased that. Yeah, but you went with him, didn't you? At that day, yes, I believe so. Okay. And you both got new phones that day? Yes. And that was the same day that law enforcement came to your residence and went to Rapid Capital same day? Same time. I think that was the following day. The following day is the day you got arrested, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so it was the day that law enforcement came to your residence? Yes, ma'am. Isn't it true that you've been offered some kind of big payoff if you refuse to cooperate against Charlie Adelson? If I refuse? Yes, ma'am. No. Has anybody offered you some money? No. Do you remember telling anybody that you would be able to stay home after you get acquitted and have a tutor for your kids to be homeschooled at the house? No. Never made that comment. Did you ever show your breasts to some people and tell them that you got them courtesy of the professor? Definitely never happened. Did you ask somebody if she thought God would forgive you for the role you had in this case? No. 